Mac Power Users, episode 725, Tech That Worked in 2023. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks. I am joined today by the Internet's very own Stephen Hackett. How are you today, Stephen? <laughs> I'm good, David. How are you? That's good. It's, it's that weird week between Christmas and New Year, and, uh, you know, the world is kind of a little running a little slower this week. And uh, but I still got some time with my buddy Steven this week, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah. In that spirit, we're going to keep this uh, short today and just kind of run through some stuff that that worked for us this year. And in more power users, the ad free longer version of the show, we're going to do that with some stuff beyond work. So some tech, kind of in our personal lives or, or work adjacent that we've been happy with over the last twelve months. Yeah, let's do it, buddy. Let's do it. I think let's start with hardware because. You know, this was a year that you and I both did some experiments on hardware. Mm-hmm. I went from the uh, dual laptop life to the desktop plus laptop life, and you did the exact opposite. So uh, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Yeah, I, I can go. I had been a, a desktop plus laptop person for a long time, really since I went independent back in 2015, and this year... Uh, with the M2 series of MacBook Pros in the beginning part of the year. Uh, wait, wait, I, you mean not not the M3, Stephen? Not the M3, not the M3. Uh, I have uh, the short-lived M2 Pro MacBook Pro, uh, the 14-inch, is my only production Mac, and I have that hooked up to a studio display through a CalDigit Thunderbolt dock. And I've been on this one Mac experiment for most of the year. And honestly, it has gone really well. I've been really happy with having all of my stuff just on one computer and that computer either being effectively a desktop, right? Because when I plug it into that Thunderbolt dock, all my stuff comes to life or I can eject my time machine drive. I can unplug one cable and I have my whole computing set up with me. You know, if I'm working in the house or out of state, wherever I am. Everything is is with me. That has taken some getting used to. You know, I've I've had a couple of times of like, boy, something happens to this laptop. Like everything's on it, right? Of course, it's all backed up. But yeah, one of the nice things about the desktop laptop lifestyle, especially for those of us who depend on the Mac for our our work day in and day out, is that you you kind of have a hot spare, right? You kind of have like, well, if my desktop implodes, I can plug my laptop in, and maybe not everything's the same, but it's close enough. I could I could get by. And I don't have that safety net now. So that has taken some getting used to, but it's been great. I love this computer. I have no temptation to update to the M3 line. And uh, I think I will go into 2024 as year two of this experiment uh, quite happily. Yeah, you know, that 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 whole thing where you're like, well, I don't have that spare if something goes wrong. I think that's an easy argument to make with ourselves. I definitely have said that to myself in the past. And in reality, uh, if your computer went up in smoke because everything's backed up, you could, you know, you're one Apple store trip away from having it working again. It really isn't that much of a risk. You know, I guess if you lived out in the boonies and you couldn't get a replacement machine quickly, that would be a problem. But for those of us that are lucky enough to live close to an Apple store, you know, it's it's really not that big of a risk to have one machine. Yeah, that's true. It, it, there's definitely some uh, 
you know, building it up in your mind a little bit. Like, yeah, this is why I should do this. So I, 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 I get that. I also think though, that's like for those of us that have been on computers a long time, there was a time where if your machine went, went, went out on you, uh, even if you could get a replacement machine quickly, actually getting it up and running took a lot of effort. Yeah. I mean, you go back even to the early days of this show, there were times when that was true. And, and you have to remember now with things like time machine and, and Dropbox and, you know, all this cloud stuff, it's just not that big of a deal to get up and running again. It doesn't take long, hmm. but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, so I went the opposite direction. Uh, I had the 16 inch uh, M1 MacBook pro, which was perfectly fine. And it was really useful when we were doing this, this studio build out. But I realized, you know, we, I moved into this room a year ago, October. And by June, when they came out with the the Mac studio, I had not removed the computer from my desk. I hadn't opened the lid in like eight months. Mm -hmm. And so it really was no longer functioning as a laptop. But it was perfectly fine, and it, 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 I could have kept it, but I, you know, you get itchy once in a while, and I did. So I, I bought a Mac Studio, sold the the M1, and I sold the M1 at a good time because they still had a good resale value then. I'm not sure they they would now with an M3 in the world. Um, but so I got a good price back. It wasn't a huge haircut to switch it out, and I really like the upgrade. Um, the the machine itself, honestly, I can't tell much of a difference. Uh, some of the stuff I do is definitely faster with the M2, but just like the consolidation of input and output because the Mac Studio is built to sit on a desk and it's got more ports on the back of it, you know? And just the fact that it's always on reliably, um, all that stuff has been great. And I, I'm only six months in at, as we record this, but I expect to use this machine a long time. I do have a backup. I have a, you know, an M2 MacBook Air. Mm -hmm. And that that thing is a beast. I mean, like several times if I've needed to, I've been able to to do actual work on it and it can render videos and do the stuff that I do to pay for my shoes in a, in a jam. It's not going to do it as well as a as a MacBook Pro, but it's good enough. And what I really use it for mainly is more of the admin stuff, you know, managing stuff in the store or dealing with customer support and things like that. And it's perfectly adequate for that. And I'm just in a really good place right now with my with my Mac hardware. I don't think, like you, I don't feel any urgent desire. I'm sure there'll be an M3 Mac Studio out after the new year, and I won't even blink at it. I, I just, it's fine. I'm good with this one. You know, I, I hesitate to say I'll probably be good when the M4 arrives too, because this thing, you know, the problem in my life now is not that my computer's too slow. Yeah. yeah. You know, the problem is between my two ears, just getting the work done. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're in a really good space. We've talked about this on the show. I keep bringing it up and I, I apologize to the, the audience, but I just really think we're getting to a spot where Macs are becoming appliance computers and in the best of sense of the word where they're just going to work. You're going to be happy with it. You're not going to feel like you've got to upgrade it every couple of years. I think it's going to last a long time for you and uh, good on Apple for making such a great product. Indeed. Another thing that I want to call out this year in particular, I think true for both of us is Elgato continues to kill it. <laughs> like you've talked yeah. about the, um, Stream Deck? The, the, well, the Stream Deck for a long time, but the prompter and I know they have yeah. camera and lights. 
uh, my prompter has actually shipped. So uh, hopefully by the next feedback episode, I'll have it and have it set up. But they continue just like really make great stuff for people who are creating on their on their Macs. And yeah, sometimes the software is a little weird and like it's not perfect, but it's pretty, pretty dang good. And you can you can go with their stuff knowing that it all kind of works together. And the Stream Deck XL continues to be a just a real centerpiece of my work setup. Right. I got I've got so much stuff on there that it is just ingrained in how I work when I'm in my office. And that's yeah. really the highest praise I can give any technology that I work with, right? Like, oh, if this thing were to disappear, I would have real product uh, a real hit in my productivity. That's that's high praise for me. And the the stream deck and some of this other stuff from them definitely fit the bill. Yeah. I mean, so a couple of things from Elgato that changed for me this year. Just recently, my I have a very expensive audio interface, you know, the thing where you plug your mic into and a USB cable comes out the back. And as Steven knows from behind the scenes, my expensive one has been flaking out lately yeah. and it's caught, it's caused some issues. So I had a backup wave XLR, which is a stream deck audio interface. And it's not probably as good as the, the expensive one, but you know, the editor can't tell much of a difference and you guys probably can't tell much of a difference. So I've been using their their interface, and once again, it's just rock solid. It's the design is good, where I can see what I need. Um, it connects to my Stream Deck, so I can mute the mic with the touch of a Stream Deck button or my pedal. And man, it's just like it just reminds me that you know once you get into the Elgato kind of ecosystem, it's very easy to buy more of it. Yeah. Um, I will put an asterisk out on the prompter uh, as it's because I continue to have software problems with it. Sometimes it just doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Like you put, um, I just did a zoom call in the max market labs and it wasn't putting the zoom window on it. And if you go into activity monitor, you force quit the app, then it works. And I feel like they've still got some work to do on the software. It's not a hardware thing, but just anybody that got one for, for the holiday, uh, just be warned that you do need to occasionally give the software kind of a kick in the butt and mm-hmm. then it'll work again. But, but, you know, I feel like that's a new product and within, you know, a short time they'll have that ironed out, whatever the problem is. Yeah. Uh, I've got yeah. full faith that they'll be able to fix that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the, uh, yeah, I agree. It's just anything they, like you sent me the link for the prompter one morning and I just bought it. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I didn't even like, whatever, I'll buy it. And I can always return it if it's garbage, but it's from Elgato and it's very unlikely that it's going to be garbage. I also have a couple of their lights too. You know, I mean, it's just like, it really just, just helps me. And I could have bought lights for less, but because all this stuff is connected and when I want to do a labs thing, I push a button and everything works that, you know, there's a, they, they found the sweet spot in terms of convenience and making a good product. Agreed. Good job, Elgato. I, I would love to know if it's true. We've heard from a couple of listeners saying there's a bunch of former Apple people there, and that makes total sense to me. I don't know if it's true or not, but it, it's kind of got that vibe around it. Yeah, it's it's products designed to solve problems. And yeah, those are the best products in my mind. Yeah. Uh, one more piece of hardware I'd like to call out because I just feel like the AirPods are still killing it. I mean... It's a little, there's a lot of different products in the line now, but just 
I mean, I just love my AirPods, man. And I've mm-hmm. got several pair of them. I've got like the, the I'm right now I'm wearing the AirPods Max as we record the show. One things this year is my fancy, uh, this was the year of hardware failure for me. My fancy podcast headphones finally died after over 10 years. But rather than buy a new pair, I just started using the AirPods Max and they're great and very comfortable and they do the job. And, you know, then you've got the ones you can put in your pocket. They got the ones you can wear in the airplane. Apple's just done a good job of diversifying the product line, but they still just continue to work. And I feel like that's another really great Apple product. Yeah. Yeah. I switched. I don't know if it was in 23 or not, but at some point I switched from the AirPods 2 to the AirPods Pro 2. Um, and they've been great. The first AirPods Pro, like I, they didn't quite work for me. And I stayed with the two for a long time, but I wanted to give them another shot. And uh, they really are great. I mean, the, even the feature that it still occasionally is a little bit weird, where like it moves in between your devices. Like even that's better, I feel like, in iOS 17 and macOS Sonoma. And being able to take one in your ear and like put the other one in and put it back in the case and like it kind of figures out what to do. They're they're great. And I see them everywhere. Like they're extremely popular, and I think for a good reason. Now, I hope that Apple does continue to to innovate here. Like those AirPods Max that you're wearing. Are now three years old without an update, and like, yeah, there's some things that you should do in different parts of the product line. But I think pretty universally, people who have AirPods like them, and that's that's fantastic, you know, because it wasn't a sure thing when they were introduced back in you know 2015 or 16 or whenever. But Apple's clearly serious about it. All right, so let's talk about productivity software in 2023. Uh, there's a couple things of note that we wanted to to kind of go through. And I know you've been on a bit of a journey yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I spent the first half of the year split between Apple Notes and Craft. Uh, I was taking a seminary class effectively in the first half of the year and had all my stuff for that class in Craft. And it was a lot of PDFs and a lot of notes and a lot of reference material. And it worked really well, but when the class ended, I wanted to, ho- to hold on to all that stuff. But everything else was in Apple Notes, and I've been pretty committed to, to Notes. And so I spent some time basically moving that stuff into its own sort of section within Apple Notes. And and I've really just kind of decided that, you know, Apple Notes is where this stuff is going to be for me. And it's a mix of personal and work and everything else. I have it organized at the top level into several different folders, and then there's subfolders under there. So I kind of have areas of responsibility and then projects or organization under that. But Apple Notes has really worked for me in the last year. I know we've talked a lot about it. We did that big episode on it, but it continues to impress me. And it, it continues to be, I think, the example that when we talk about uh, Apple taking their producti- productivity software seriously, Notes is the poster child for that for me. And yeah, it's great because it's built in and uh, it's not a subscription, you know, that I've got to pay for. It's just there and I already pay for iCloud. So I've got plenty of storage space. It's just been great. I've just been very happy with the progress Notes has made. And I wanted to give a shout out today because it really is the hub of so much of what I do. I mean, we have now for the last couple of years and going through what I call a revolution of notes apps where, uh, you know, backlinking became a thing for real and 
better thinking features in Notes app, Notes app showed up. Obsidian, Apple Notes, Agenda, there, uh, Craft. There's a bunch of great options out there. And I hear all the time from people because I made the Obsidian Field Guide this year, but I also talk about Apple Notes. And they're like, well, which one do you use? I, just pick the one that resonates with you. And, you know, there are trade-offs amongst them, and you got to kind of be aware of what the trade-offs are. But then once you pick one, commit to it and just use it because it, it it's not a thing where a bunch of these, like there's one good one and a bunch of crappy ones. Mm-hmm. These are all really good options. You know, uh, I have a good friend, Ernie Svensson. He's been on the show. He's a big craft user. And occasionally, like when he does research on some topic, he just sends me the craft link. Like he has this note that he's built and he just, just sends me the link for it. And it's like a perfect use of craft, you know. Whereas what you're doing in notes makes sense where uh, I, I have a lot of friends that are all in with obsidian. It, I, I just don't think there's a wrong answer here. And if you're, you're really hung up on it, that's a mistake, you know, pick the one that you feel like is going to have the least friction for you that, that checks off the boxes that you want checked off and just commit to it. And, uh, and you will not be poorly served. I mean, all the apps we talk about on the show are great apps and they all, you know, there's a reason why we talk about them. So mm-hmm. pick one, but, but I do feel like this is like, I'm glad that you've, you've got on a horse here because uh, we are at a period where these apps have all these power tools. Now the question is just taking advantage of them and using them. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to hearing your, like your pro workflows as you work through it. And notes is absolutely an app that can have pro workflows in my opinion. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, Something else that has been uh, a real uh, bright spot for me is my time tracking. It's something I started up a couple of years ago, and I've continued to to do it using Timery as the Ma- as the Mac and iPhone app, and yeah. Toggle as the backend service. I do this basically based on again areas of responsibility and projects, and so right now the MPU timer is running. It's been running for a while today as we prepared and record it and are recording. And it really, I really continue time track for two reasons. One, it helps keep me sort of like, okay, this timer is running. You should be working on this thing. And if you're not, you need to be honest about that and turn the timer off. Uh, But it also gives me information about what I'm spending my time with at work. And all I do time tracking wise is work stuff plus exercise. So I have a health timer as well. It is such a useful thing when I'm trying to make a decision about my business. Like, Hey, what projects am I doing? What projects should I continue to do? Do I have room for something new, right? To be able to look at those reports and see, okay, you know, you're spending this amount of time on this show, but you're spending twice the amount of time on this other show. Like, does that make sense business-wise? Does that line up with, you know, where money is or like what you want to be yeah. doing? Because I do a lot of stuff in my business because I want to do it. And just having that data is so valuable. Winging, winging it is not not the way to go. Uh, knowing what's going on with hard numbers is, is much better. Yeah, and you really don't know without running the data. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's something that is shocking for anybody who tries this for the first time is like, you think you know how much time you spend on different projects until you see the reports after you actually run, you know, a proper experiment and run timers. Um, although I would say on this, I mean, I, the, the productivity field guide you guys will be hearing about soon enough, but 
I, I feel like w- the mistake with time tracking is getting hung up in the seconds and the minutes. It's really about hours. And yeah, uh, you know, timery and toggle is a great solution. You can on- honestly just write it down on a piece of paper each day, like at the end of the day. If you just look at your calendar where you spent your time, I mean, this does not have to be a fancy system, but you do need to do it once in a while. And I don't actually run it uh, all the time. Like I sometimes I'll take a week or two off and it's fine. I think at least as long as you run it once a month, like one week a month, that's enough to keep you in check. And to me, I'm just always trying different tools. So I don't have the kind of data like, you know, Mike and Gray at the end of the year saying they know, you know, down to the hour, how many hours they spent working on each thing. And I know there's a benefit to that, but I'm not sure that it's worth it to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, but just like knowing in a week what time I spend on podcasts versus, you know, publishing versus whatever, uh, I think that's really useful. Back when I was doing the law practice at the same time, it was hugely beneficial to know what the comparisons were between the two businesses. And, uh, and I would encourage you to do it. If you want to really go nuts, just do it on everything for a week, because I do think tracking your family time is important. And like, you might feel like you're doing a lousy job as a dad, but then look at the end of the week and realize that you spent actually quite a bit of your time as dad. And, um, so try and do it all, but don't get hung up on minutes. Just worry about hours. Yeah. That's good advice. The tools don't really matter. You know, honestly, Timery is one of the easiest to do it with. So that's a really easy one, but the, um, just find a way, but it has to be objective time. Don't, you know, don't write down at the end of the day. Well, I think I spent three hours. No, you need to have ran a timer or, or have blocked it in a calendar. So you know exactly how much time you spent within an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, a bit of productivity tech for me this year was the journey with OmniFocus four. You know, it came out just recently, um, but I was using the beta, so I've kind of been in on it for a while. But that's something that, to me, um, kind of came back to me this year. I, I looked seriously at leaving the app, to be honest, because, you know, there was just so many other things out there, and my life simplified a bit. But it's to me, it's still the one. It just It's the bank. It does such a good job of holding tasks. And and then the real icing on the cake this year was Sal Segoyan. Because uh, he has been working with the Omni Group, and like anything you want to do to automate OmniFocus has now been automated by Sal. He's got a page with like a hundred different scripts on it, and I know that I can write him, and he'll make one. But I don't think it's just me. I think anybody, <laughs> you know, because he's just such a fat. He's really fast at this stuff, and like you say, well, I'd like you know defer dates to be able to jump two days if I push one button and then suddenly the feature shows up in the app, you know, just stuff like that is great. And so that was kind of nice for me to, to see an old friend, you know, kind of emerge the way it did. Mm-hmm. Another emerging productivity software for me, I haven't shared this with you, Stephen, is um, about two months ago, I decided I wanted to get better at using Freeform and okay. find more uses for it. So I've been using Freeform to think about things, you know, and, um, uh, so I just opened a freeform page. Like I have one right now called the tech stack page. And it's like, it it goes through and like, how do I handle columns? How do I handle tasks? It's all this stuff. And then like write down why, you know, and with apps I pick, I think if you spend some time picking an app and writing down why you use it, it makes you less likely to jump ship the first time something shiny shows up. But I have also been doing it. Like we've got the productivity field guide kind of started out as a freeform board. And 
like a lot of the stuff I've been working on lately, when I just need to like have a place to think through something, it's, it's kind of a mind map, but it's more than that, you know, cause freeform is so wide open and I'm really starting to, to dig this app. I, I think I found a way for me to use it and it's not really stuff I collaborate with on. It's more just an, a big space for me to write down ideas on. It's a little weird cause you know, you're doing it on an iPad screen and you know, it's like a, a whiteboard size diagram contained within an iPad screen, which is mm-hmm. weird, but you know, you can zoom and shrink and, and uh, they're with you everywhere. And uh, I have, uh, I've been increasingly using that. Maybe that'll turn into some content next year in Mac power users, but um, I'm starting to get it with freeform. Yeah. Cause we looked at it when it was early on and I, I yeah. think it'll be worth a revisit at some point because I, I know they have continued to improve it. And I think a lot of the issues we had, are uh, are in the past. Yeah, and honestly, our view of it was through a collaborative tool to make a podcast, which I don't think is entirely on target for what the app is. Yeah. But uh, if you're thinking through a difficult problem and you've got an iPad, open up Freeform, make a board, and just start writing down things about it and drawing lines and moving stuff around and see if it helps you. Because I, I feel like it's it's a great way. I'm a visual thinker, so that kind of thing really works for me. And, uh, and I kind of like picking it up and kind of picking up where I left off and then resuming it. And, uh, it's, it's, it's useful. And like the ability to import graphics and things, you know, I, I find myself using a lot of those features, mm-hmm. but primarily what it is to me is it's just like kind of a big whiteboard contained within an iPad screen. Yeah. No, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's a, a freeform is a good example of Apple working in a, area of third-party apps like doing it their own way and there's definitely more powerful tools out there but yeah. freeform is really good and they definitely have more than just the basics in there at this point yeah and, and in fact i think that's a theme overall for this year in productivity tools is that um this is the year that you realize you don't need the less powerful tools are still very good, I guess is what I'm saying. For a long time, most of the productivity apps were garbage, and there were a couple that were made by very thoughtful developers at the upper end that were capable of doing the work. And the rising tide, you know, what's the saying? The rising tide raises all Boats. vessels or something like that. Boats, yeah. The, even the mediocre, what used to be a mediocre productivity app now is quite powerful. And quite useful. And like we've had ubiquity of syncing, which wasn't the thing we had before. Uh, we've had Apple spending all this time on Swift UI and creating user interfaces that anybody can implement that are, are, are actually pretty good. And like there, there's been a, v- a variety of things going on that when you add them up, it means that apps that don't have a massive team behind them can still be a very productive application. And then that gives everybody options to pick what kind of fits with them better. And it doesn't have to have every feature, but it can still be very useful. And I feel like that's just kind of a general like a surge in productivity right now where uh, there's a lot of great tools. They sync with each other. They look good. They basically do what you need them to do. That's no longer the bottleneck. Now the bottleneck is you doing the work. Man, productivity software. What a golden era. If you had told me five or six years ago 
that we, you know, here in the early to mid 2020s, there would be more good options on the Mac for productivity. Like, I, I'm not sure I would have believed it because for a while, a lot of this stuff was moving to the iPhone and iPad. And don't hear what I'm not saying. This stuff is still great on the iPhone and iPad. Yeah. But for those of us with the Mac at the center of our workflow, it's a little bit of an embarrassment of riches, right? Thinking about just what we've talked about, note-taking, time-tracking, task management, ideation. So many good options. It's it's incredible. Yeah. And we're going to talk later in the show about AI, but I feel like there is another kicker coming with AI to productivity software when done right. But let's let's put a pin in that one for now. Okay. Because there's there's one other productivity app that emerged for you and I this year. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's a yeah <laughs> a notion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't think at the beginning. In fact, I did a home screen post for Relay, and I said at the beginning of the year I didn't expect Notion would be on my home screen at the end of the year. Yeah, <laughs> that was one I didn't see coming. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's something I know you're using at Mac Sparky and your other two shows are in it. For me, Notion is still just Mac power users, which is fine with me. I kind of like that. It's like that app means MPU is happening. But yeah, yeah, we've built out now our, our database of topics and we have a bunch of templates for the different type of episodes we have. And I still think the the friction point is like just getting other people in. But so far, that's been mostly OK. You know, people have figured it out. But it's been nice. It's been nice to have everything in one place. And one thing that it's it's done for me, at least, I'm curious if it's true for you, it's actually easier now to work on future episodes because they're all just in the list. And you can just click which one you want to go into. And, yeah. you know, we generally work a month or so, sometimes even further ahead. And it's really easy now to, like, go into the episodes table. Like, oh, I have this link about, about Apple Care. We're going to do an episode all about Apple Care uh, soon. Yeah. Like, oh, here's a link. And I, I have, I added a research field to each episode. Like, oh, hey, when it's time to prep this, here's something I saw months ago. And like, yeah, I didn't have a good way to do that before because it meant creating a new Google Doc and like that was several minutes of setup. And it's really just made it easier to get in and get out and then have all this data interlinked. I've been, I've been very happy with the move. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's just like where, where earlier I said Freeform to me is not a collaborative tool, even though it has collaborative features. This is 100% collaborative. You know, I mean, it's like I, I, I and I, I really have just been really embracing it even more so now that we've been using it for a while and I'm using it in some other places I work where it's like, okay, this is just the place where upcoming projects are listed. And this is where everybody that needs to see it can see it. We can see the status. Uh, it's got a great Kanban feature where, you know, we can put things up based on who's responsible for them or whatever. And it's great at that. I, I'm still not sold on it as a do everything tool. I mean, if you go down the notion rabbit hole at all, you'll find that there's tons of videos out there where people are like, I put my whole life into Notion. I That is not me. And I, I don't even really like the idea of doing it to somebody else's web service anyway. But but for collaborative team-based work, it seems really like the right solution. And yeah. it's just flexible enough. I mean, it can do pretty much anything you want. But at the same time, it's stable enough that it kind of walks the 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 Goldilocks line for this kind of stuff. And uh, I'm all in with it now. I think that's actually really good advice for a lot of productivity software 
is very few things out there are good for everything. No matter how good Apple Notes is or OmniFocus 4 or Notion or whatever, very few things actually scale to like your whole life. And I think that's something that a lot of a lot of nerdy folks want. Like we want to have one app to rule them all. But the reality is different things are are better at some things than others. And that's okay. Yeah, that's one of the challenges with Obsidian, honestly, is because it's it is flexible enough to do anything. There are a lot of people that get into it and use it for everything. And I, I just don't feel like it's the I, I'm much more a fan of use the best in breed for getting the work done. Mm-hmm. You know, I want as little friction as possible. Uh, but but you know, I gotta hand it to them. Some people have made amazing systems in Obsidian that they've built all themselves and they love it. So Yeah. I guess I guess you know one of the things we have to realize is each person has to choose their own way through this stuff, but there's just so many more paths now, uh, you know, because productivity software has got so much better. I mean, we haven't even mentioned reminders, but reminders is a totally legitimate way to manage your tasks at this point, and that's fine if that's what does it for you. You know, just find the tool you want, learn how to master it, and then get the work done. I mean, that's the point of all this productivity stuff is to be productive. Yep. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Text Expander. Head over to textexpander.com slash MQ right now to get 20% off your new plan. Text Expander is one of my very favorite entry-level automation tools, and that's because it gets you started with automation so easily. And it's just so useful to have automatic text on your devices. With Text Expander, you don't have to waste time typing out the things you've already worded perfectly. Capture the important pieces of your emails, directions, messages, and data so you never have to retype them again. Just type in the Text Expander snippet and you're off to the races. You can assign each bit of text its own unique snippet, which is an abbreviation for quick access as you type, or search and expand with the keyboard shortcut, which I use all the time. If you want to go deeper, Text Expander supports that too with automation with things like scripting and AppleScript. Fill in the blank field so you can say dear blank and it fills in the blank for you. Or use the contents of your clipboard or today's date. Text Expander does it all and it works on so many platforms Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. No matter where you're typing, Text Expander is there to support you. And you get 20% off when you go to TextExpander.com slash MPU to sign up for your new plan. Text Expander was the original sponsor of the Mac Power users. We are very thankful to have had them here with us all these years. And you can go sign up for Text Expander right now. Once again, that URL is textexpander.com slash MPU. Another thing that emerged this year was AI. I feel like we need to address that um, because here we are at the end of the, the, the year of AI. Um, open AI was kind of, I think, the starting gun for this. Mm-hmm. But it certainly wasn't the final, the call on everybody's got AI now. I was just looking this morning. So Notion has an AI component Yep. where we could have it, like, I guess, auto-generate our outlines for us. Hello, I am David Sparks. This is an outline created by Notion. <laughs> it can do all sorts of stuff. It can it can look across databases and pull information for you. I've used it a little bit like, hey, when have we talked about these things? And it can go into the episode archive. It's pretty cool. Uh, but it is something that, yeah, has been added to a lot of apps. And, and some of them 
have done a better job of it than others. But I think at the heart of it, people want a tool that can that kind of let them do things they can't do on their own, right? Like the point of all this stuff. Uh, yeah. It's like having a superpower. And the chat GPT type tools, like from OpenAI or what's embedded in a bunch of these apps now, like that's sort of the goal. It's like, hey, take this long thing and distill it into five bullet points for me or help me come up with a name for something or you know whatever it may be. And that is cool and useful. I've been around long enough to tell you that there have been many things that have come and gone in technology and there will be things out of this era that stick around, no doubt. There will also be things in this era that do not stick around, that turn out to be bad ideas or turn out to be not as useful as we may think. And when I see people get like overly excited about something or overly worried about something, and there's cases for both when it comes to AI tools, you know, having some of that longer term perspective is important. It's not going to come for our jobs tomorrow, but it's also not going to bring world peace. You know, there's, there's something in the middle will happen. Yeah. Yeah, we we're not going to have a terminator here next week. I don't think so. But I do think that as people interested in being more productive with our technology, we should be aware of AI and figure out ways that we can use it. And you know, the big joke is AI did not get invented this year. You know, these large language models have been kicking around for decades. It's just feels like this is the year that we had the, you know, compute power, availability of resources, whatever that suddenly it became better and smarter and more useful. Uh, So there are ways to use it. And I think that I thought it might be kind of useful to talk about some of the stuff you and I are doing with it. We haven't talked about it much on the show, but I think we will start addressing it more. Um, And I'll just go with a couple things I'm doing with it, you know, off the, off the bat. Like one of the things I do is summarization. Like I got a report from, um, teachable, which is a company that makes my field guide where I, um, I make the field guides, but they're the ones that publish them, but they, they publish books for a lot of people and they did a bunch of market research and they sent me like this 50 page PDF about, you know, you know, what is the trends in the marketplace for people who make things like you? And I'm like, I don't have time, you know, <laughs> right. But I wanted it. So I just selected all the text in the PDF and I dumped it in chat GPT and said, give me a, you know, a summary of this. And it gave me like a short one page summary with a couple points that were out of the thing and they were good points. And I know I never would have got around to reading their 50 page PDF, but I did read, you know, the thousand word summary and I got what I needed out of it. So that's like an example of me using this kind of tool. I've definitely done some stuff like that. Like, hey, I have this long thing. Can you can you distill it down for me? Yeah. Uh, I've also used it in Photoshop. So Photoshop has AI fill, like generative fill, where you can select part of a photo and say, hey, you know, there's a building here, but I want it to be clouds or whatever. I wrote, I wrote a blog post about that in October that I'll throw in yeah. the show notes where I had this funny picture of my wife dressed up as a hot dog, and I wanted to use it as an iPhone wallpaper but iPhone wallpapers want to be vertical and I'm a traditionalist and take my photos horizontally. And there's a bunch of stuff in the background, like my neighbor's house and a telephone pole that's weirdly curved, but still standing. And I, in just a few minutes, really using Photoshop, like, Hey, 
you know, this is what I want this to be like. And it's pretty wild what it can do. A, a big example for me was if you if you have the 2024 Apple history calendar, in the back of it, there's a list of all the Apple Store openings. And that data came from Michael Steber, who's like a, this amazing uh, Apple historian focusing on on retail. Um, I'll put a link to Tabletops, which is his newsletter in the show notes as well. It's fantastic. Uh, Steber gave me that information, but it was all just in uh, JSON that he actually uses to power his app. And it's like, well, this is awesome, but like, what are I, how do I <laughs> how do I get this into a calendar, right? And uh, I talked with uh, Jason Snell. Jason Snell is like my uh, scripting go-to. He's like, hey, I, this is structured data. The data's in here. Like, and I was thinking, like, can we do something in BB Edit or whatever? And, like, filter this out. And we played with some stuff, and what we ended up doing was using Chat GPT, where I fed it a, a section of the JSON file so it could see how it was structured, and I said, I want. Uh, a script to pull the, uh, I use the English names for the stores and their opening date. And then put all those, you know, list all those out and then sort them for me by opening date. And I want the date formatted like this. Like I think in the data, you know, like today's December 26, it would have been 2023-12-26. Well, I don't want that. I want it spelled out. And the thing gave me a script that I I ran on my computer in terminal against the JSON file, and it just spit out exactly what you see in the calendar. That would have taken me probably a couple of days to do manually, right? And it would have been so easy to make an error, copying and pasting. It's like 500 stores on that list. Yeah. And ChatGPT just wrote me a script that did it. Now, could I have like, gone to uh, Mastodon or Threads or the Relay Discord and be like, hey, to someone, you know, someone who has this expertise, because this is beyond what I sort of normally do in automation. Like, can someone help me with this? Like, but ChatGPT just did it and it was wild and I used it in, you know, one of my biggest projects of the year. Uh, I'm not using it daily for sure, but there are times where it, it can solve a problem that otherwise, you know, it would be brute force <laughs> without it. Yeah. I've written several Apple scripts with the help of chat GPT as well. Yeah. Whereas like, I couldn't figure out a scripting problem and said, you know, write a script that does this, this, and this. And sometimes it works, but usually it gets close and then I can apply a little bit of English to it and get it to work. Yeah. Isn't it amazing that Apple script whose history, like Apple script is ancient. It's yeah. amazing AppleScript is still around, that it survived all these transitions. And now it's come so far that ChatGPT can write AppleScript. Like, just what yeah. a journey that language has had. I agree. And, but that's a good example. Another thing is like, in the next field guide, which uh, you guys will be hearing about soon enough, uh, the the trans the uh, closed captioning for the first time is in multiple languages. Like, if you want to... Uh, see the CC in German or Spanish or Chinese or Korean or whatever. It's, it just does that for you. And that's all because of AI, right? I can't afford to hire, you know, 10 different people to go through and do the closed captioning in different languages. But AI now makes that a click of a button. Yeah. And uh, so there, there's things that are showing up 
And it's interesting because it's across so many apps. We talked about Notion and ChatGPT on the web, but like it's in SparkMail where you can have it like write email replies for you, or it's in Raycast. I mean, Raycast, a keyboard launcher, it's using AI tools. And I think that's only going to accelerate over the next year. And what I would like to see happen is, you know, this stuff make its way into the productivity app category in a way that makes sense. Like show me the tasks that I keep deferring or show me, you know, the notes that I haven't touched in a long time and, you know, help me write that better. You know, stuff like that. I feel like there are some more uses for AI and helping us be more productive. And it would be a really nice kind of bounce on the productivity racket because in so many ways, I feel like technology has made productivity harder. It would be really great if if AI was able to make some of this stuff easier for us and make it easier for us to do our important work. Uh, and we'll just have to see how that all comes together. But I think that's the next thing. And we're going to be watching it here on the Mac Power users. What about Apple? Do you think Apple's going to jump into this stuff? I think they will at some point. I mean, there's been reporting that they have projects like this running internally. There was uh, some reporting really recently that Apple wants to work with um, other companies so they can uh, they can train their AI system without running into copyright <laughs> issues. Because yeah. if your thing is trained on the web, you know, you can run into run into yeah. trouble uh, with yeah. sucking in data that's not yours it's like uh, I, I this always goes back to me to that um that uh talk show live that craig federighi was at back in the day when everybody said apple can't do uh image processing because mm-hmm. they weren't sucking down everybody's photos and craig federighi had the great line he's like we don't need your pictures of mountains we can buy pictures of mountains yeah. and i was like yeah you know that's true uh-huh. and i'm sure they're doing they're taking the same approach here they're too big of a company to um, to do this wrong. But uh, Apple is a company. I would love to see them really address AI into Reminders, Apple Mail, uh, yeah. you know, calendar app, and and in in intelligent ways that makes our lives better. And that's that's what we're looking for with this stuff. Like one of the things neither one of us has said is we're using AI to write for us, and that's always the big thing. Like, oh, look, it can write a, a paper. Why? Why on earth would you want it to write for you? (laughs) You know, that's that's how I self-define. And yeah, it's. I'm sure for other people, it's a bigger deal. But, you know, we should be fair to Apple, too. They are doing some of this now. The keyboard replacement autocorrect thing in iOS 17 and on Sonoma. Voice to text. Yeah voice to text. Yeah, like that stuff is using large language models and you can see it. So I I've had autocorrect on the Mac turned off as long as it's been a feature. In Sonoma I turned it on cuz like I want to see what this is like and I've left it on ever since. And sometimes it's wacky what it wants me to do or like what it tries to correct to. But it you can see them working on it and you can see that they are, are implementing these things. And I think that's a good example of like if you can make autocorrect better by like feeding in a large language model and predicting what I want to say next in a way that's smarter than ever before, like that mean that means less than wear, wear and tear on my thumbs as I'm typing on my phone or whatever. Yeah. And those are good things. If it can make voice dictation better, that's better for everybody who needs uh, and relies on dictation to interact with their computer. And so 
Apple is doing things now in their shipping software. They're just not to a point where they're matching what third parties are doing. And I, I agree. I think they'll get there. I think there's lots of space for it, especially in their productivity apps. And I, I this is not a show where we have a, a game based on making predictions, but if it was, I would maybe say that we will see some of these features showing up uh, next year. Yeah, in ways that make sense. You know, that's all. That's all. Mm -hmm. You know, something else that happened this year is you and I both embrace the analog a bit more. I know I have, and you've been doing stuff as well. Uh, So let's talk about that just briefly. Yeah, for years, I've been a paper notebook enthusiast. Uh, carrying a field notes around with me for like over a decade now, just writing all sorts of stuff down in it just throughout the day. There's no real rhyme or reason of what goes or what doesn't go in there. But this year I have continued to do that, uh, but I've added uh, a second notebook and I'm calling this the split notebook strategy. So uh, the I haven't talked about it, but I'll talk about it here because it, it needs to make, the context is needed to make the split notebook strategy make sense. So the class I did in the spring was part of a process to serve as an elder in our church. And I went through that process. I am now the beginning of a six-year term uh, serving. And I wanted a, I wanted to separate, you know, the field notes, which has everything from uh, a short grocery list to a, a bunch of invoices I need to reconcile to whatever, you know, writing down a phone number while I'm on the phone or on hold or something. I wanted to separate that a little bit from some stuff that I'm doing at church and having like meetings with people and, you know, hearing what's going on in their lives. And like, I wanted to keep up with that stuff separately in a way that felt really, I mean, and really it came back to your conversation you've been having for years about contextual computing. It's like, I want contextual notebooking. Like, if I have sure. this notebook with me, and it's it's not a field notes, it's uh, it's actually the Cortex, their regular journal, like with just regular dot grid in it. Um, yeah, having like if this is in my hands, right? If if I'm in this mode, this is different, and like it's not work, it's not personal, like it's this third category I've added to my life, and that's been really useful. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about that context switching and how we can use focus modes and we can set our, our workstations up in such a way where we kind of understand what we're doing, but that totally works in the physical world too. And so I've become this sort of two notebook person and, you know, it's right here on my desk and it lives on my desk unless I take it, you know, out where I'm, I'm going to go meet with somebody or see somebody or whatever. But it has been, uh, it's been really beneficial to me to have this one place where all of this stuff lives. and. Um, you know, again, I've been doing it digitally forever, but doing it in the physical world and an analog tool has also been really useful. Yeah. One of the things I did this year, well, first of all, yes, I'm, I'm glad that you're doing that in contextual computing, contextual analog, contextual, anything I feel like mm-hmm. is, is the key. And, uh, I'm glad that you're doing that. The, um, you may want to want at one point look into if you do you want to fetishize this because I I've got an angle for you oh oh boy I mean the subtle notebook's pretty good but but yeah, yeah hit, hit me a traveler's notebook take a look at it they've got a passport size and they've got a, a bigger size but there it's a whole system that's built on 
multiple notebooks that you can carry in a little leather thing. And so like a lot of people get those and they're like, they'll have like the church book, they'll have the calendar book or whatever. And there's a lot of pre-printed printed ones too, that are really nicely done. And, um, that I feel like that is like in the ballpark for you. So okay, just travelers. Okay. All right, I got this link open. I'm gonna I'm gonna look through this later. Yeah, they, okay. and they have a big one and a little one. I'm thinking you might be the little one, but but the big one's nice too. Um, anyway, um, yeah. So for me, the analog thing is mainly at the desk, but I really like, you know, I got these Ugmunk cards. We had the the guy whose name escapes me right now on on Focus Je- years ago, Sheldon. Jeff, yes, Jeff. And I became a customer and and he sent me one pack and that was like the starter pack, but after that I I started buying them from him. And then this year he came out also with the week cards where you can get, you know, like a little thing on your desk that shows Monday through Sunday every week and it's just I know this is in my calendar, but my calendar isn't always on my screen and I, I actually have really come to rely on the, you know, the week update and the cards and so each day I go out of my digital task manager for the last mile and I write down the one to 10 things I want to do that day. And it's staring me back in the face all day as it sits here in the little wooden block. And, um, and I just find that that last step, it takes a few minutes to write them down. I know this isn't as efficient as having it on my software, but I, I don't run OmniFocus widgets on my screen or anything anymore. For me, once the tasks get written down on a card, they get marked as done in my task manager. And it's the last mile is done on this analog card. And I really have, you know, I just bought another 12 months worth, you know, at Black Friday. So I'm in it for another year. And I I did this all year. And I really just came to really like this workflow of, of pointing an analog. Now I, I'm not going crazy. I don't think I, I have a system where I could just use the cards. I know some people have asked me about that, but no, I, I still need the digital bank for tasks, but I like putting them at the end on these little cards so much so that I'm experimenting in the week between now and new year, where I'm starting to write down some of the big projects I'm working on down on cards too. And then every day I can just lay the cards in front of me and pick which ones I'm going to do that day which is something you could absolutely do in Apple Notes or Obsidian or whatever. But I think that putting them on note cards might be something I want to experiment with here and see if that that is more, um, if that lands harder for me, right? Mm, yeah. It's just the idea of getting the work done and, uh, and with the least amount of friction. And I think uh, adding a little bit of an analog step at, at the end for me has, has really, uh, I, I think it's really been an, a nice addition. And uh, I don't see myself leaving this anytime soon. Yeah, that's awesome. So it was a good year for you? It was. I feel like my tech stack has been uh, has been really serving me well. And there have been some changes. I think moving the show into Notion has been the biggest change. But it's all been good. And I feel like, uh, you know, this this week in between Christmas and New Year's, it's a time to sort of like I've used in the past, like, okay, am I going to change something, you know, that I've yeah. been thinking about changing. And really I don't have any of that. Uh, I feel like it's been, it's been solid. I really don't foresee the need to, to make any big disruptive changes, you know, early next year either. I feel like I'm in a good spot. What about you? Yeah, I'm feeling good, man. I'm ready to take on a new year. I, uh, 
I got real busy in December finishing up a productivity field guide, which will get talked about on the show in the future. And then I managed to get sick. Uh, so I, I'm kind of finishing the year a little bit down, you know, just kind of wore out. But I'm also at the same time looking forward to the new year with a lot of optimism. And I feel like I've got a lot of nice things in place now, and I'm able to do the stuff that I really am passionate about and, uh, you know, bring it. We are the Mac Power Users. You can find us at relay.fm slash MPU. Thank you to our sponsor today, Text Expander, the original sponsor of the Mac Power Users. We've enjoyed having them over the years. For more Power Users subscribers, those are the folks that are in the ad-free extended version of the show, we are going to go beyond work with the end-of-the-year discussion. Uh, otherwise, we'll see you next time. <laughs>